Digital has given every voice a platform. Will yours be heard? If there is one skill that everyone needs today, it's not just the ability to communicate, it's the ability to connect. My mission is to give you the communication skills you'll need to inform and inspire, sometimes using digital tools, but always with human outcomes. My guest this week, Miri Rodriguez. Storytelling is the emotional transfer of information. So it bases itself strictly on emotion. It's awakening parts of the brain that compels us to act, that inspire us, that create this, this innate you know, way for us to connect in a way that we would not normally connect with uh, another person if we, didn't, if we weren't told that story. Let's begin. Miri Rodriguez is a globally recognized storyteller for Microsoft Core Services Engineering. She is a creative journalist and content advocate, designing stories across key technology trends, evangelizing brand narrative, and showcasing how Microsoft is digitally transforming using its own technologies. She's won several awards in digital marketing and customer experience and is a top in-demand speaker at leading industry conferences around the world. And it has brought her to our show. Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Mary, one of the first things that caught my attention about you was your role. Your role at Microsoft is a storyteller. Tell us, what does a storyteller at Microsoft do? wants to know that's like the million dollar question these days um it's, it's essentially a person who designs stories to better connect with our customers i actually work on the engineering side of microsoft and the stories we're telling specifically in our side are the how we're digitally transforming inside microsoft using our own technologies and so we're thinking about better ways to not just talk about case studies or how our products are serving our community but really how we're really talking inside and what we're doing inside within our engineering aspect, within um, all of the products that play into the digital transformation. And we're being very vulnerable with it. We're talking about, you know, engineers who were scared about maybe losing their jobs um, to, you know, new cloud technologies and this kind of thing and AI. And so, so it's all about vulnerability. And this way, our customers can see the brand from a very human perspective and say, Wow, you know, my, there's people behind that technology. There's, you know, there's there's people working. Uh, these people have ambitions. These ambitions. These people have hurts. These people are human, and 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 I'm a human, and so they can connect with us much differently. And I think we've seen that transformation uh, from the get go from our you know our our CEO Satya, who started with empathy and storytelling. Really begins with empathy of our customers, <clears throat> of our partners, our enterprises that we serve. So it starts there. How, how do we serve them from a very empathetic standpoint? It starts with our human, um, our human characteristics, and that's, that's storytelling. You know, as you describe the role, it makes complete sense to me. I wonder, though, was such a role in existence, you know, five or 10 years ago? You know, yes, I would say a form of that, a communications role in essence would be considered a storytelling job, but it really was not dubbed a storyteller because we weren't really thinking about how we were designing the stories end to end. It was a communication size. You could talk, you know, you could say a marketing person also. Uh, and in essence, storytelling, it's not a new thing. We all are storytellers and we tell stories, 
But when we think about in today's digital age, how we are approaching our customers differently, a story in itself has three components, right? Three basic elements, uh, you know, a, a uh, character, a plot, and a conclusion. And now that we're thinking about stories in a different way and how we tell the story, the brand story, we now are very focused on who that character is. For Microsoft, when we moved away from the mission of a PC in every household, for example, and we switched to empowering every person and organization on the planet, it became about our, our customers being empowered and they are the characters in our story. They're the hero in our story. And so switching that up really was the focus of going from just a communications role or a marketing role to a storyteller. Because now when you think about how I'm telling the story, who I'm introducing as the character, I'm no longer just thinking about telling and you know, an information, a data. I'm sharing information with our customers. Now I'm thinking from the, you know, once upon a time idea and the creative side of how we are connecting. And so I would say yes, it always existed, but it evolved to something a little bit more refined in the digital age to keep up with the digital age. And because there's automation and robots and and content saturation these days, we really have to switch up a little bit the way that we're thinking about sending that information out. And so the emotional side of that information, the transfer, the emotional transfer of that information becomes the storytelling side. And so refining that uh, is, is where the role is headed now. We have about 400 storytellers at Microsoft in Redmond alone in Washington, and actually 4,000 worldwide. So there's a lot of us out there. Uh, and in different areas of the business, in different industries, in different sectors, uh, but all of us really seeking to just use those elements, bring those back uh, to to the way we do business to really connect with the customers one-on-one. You know, that's interesting. Now, while there are many storytellers at Microsoft, you seem to stand out. You have high standards and high heels, always on the next adventure to disrupt something. I did not make that up. That is on your LinkedIn profile. You know, I, when I started branding myself, I, I really wanted to make sure that I, I inserted little aspects of, of my personality and that it would become uh, visually engaging. Uh, you only have a little bit of, you know, a profile bio to put in. And how do I visually engage my audience on LinkedIn or any, any other platform on social media? Because it is important to me. Uh, that people get to know me first online and they don't get surprised when they meet me in person, right? So um, the high standards and the high heels, of course, I, I love I love shoes. Uh, uh, I'm a woman of shoes. That's my vice. And so uh, people that know me in person will know that because they meet me and they always see me wearing high, high heels. But if you don't, if you haven't met me yet, you wouldn't know that. So I wanted to put that in and then obviously playing on the words of the high standards. Um, I actually tend to be very self-critical and um, a lot of that's I, I would say that's one of my my weaknesses, if you would call them that. It's just I, I'm constantly just I set this really high standard for myself and for other people around me as well. So I'm known for that personally, and that's where that comes from. I just I think excellence is one of the things that we need to always aim at. So I don't, I don't ever sell short in that aspect. And um, I am five four, so I also don't want to be short in any physical aspect. So <laughs> if you ask me how tall I am, I'll answer depending on my heels that day. <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm thinking about something that's taking place right now, which I feel is very special. Um, you know, you're a creative person working at a technology company. And in years past, there was this separation between the two, um, you know, you could either go down the liberal arts track or the technical or scientific track. Um, the two were, were very separate and one seemed to be more esteemed than the other. I won't say which. 
But now it seems that the two are actually inseparable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, we are getting to a point where just like machines are integrating our world, our human world, and, and really doing it swiftly. I mean, we, we can definitely see the integration in a way that we didn't imagine. I think when we were kids, maybe we thought of robots as these really clunky, you know, kind of big machines. And, and that's not true. I mean, they're, they're becoming, you know, we see these robots that really, really are, you know, the artificial intelligence, it acts like a human and it just develops these incredible algorithms. And so I think this also, this is telling of the fact that communications, storytelling, empathy, all of it comes from an aspect of us wanting to communicate always through technology, uh, leveraging te technology. So no longer are the two separated at all. In fact, they are fusing with each other. They're, they're complementing each other. Um, and we see that more and more. And so with the birth of social media as a platform, and then with everything else inserted into that, as we, as we move on into the technology era and we, we talk about artificial intelligence, we talk about cloud services and, and how all of this movement, this transformation keeps happening, we're seeing more and more that what it's doing is enabling us to communicate even better. So it's no longer separated, but it's almost like they're marrying each other and, and bringing or birthing even more um, avenues for us to be connected more and more. We see that in gaming, we see that in social media, we see that in mobile uh, devices. So the point is, we've always wanted to stay connected. We've always wanted to tell stories from the beginning of time. We've done that as humans. That's what we do. We want to connect with each other. So I think it's just a beautiful thing to see that ha that fusion happen. And I think they are inseparable at this point. And even beyond inseparable, they're just, you know, they're going to be driving the next phase for our humanity, where we're headed as, as humans um, and, and where we're headed beyond, you know, the earth, if that's possible. We're seeing it already. I think all of it will start with, has started with communications and will begin with communications added on with the technologies that come in. Hmm. That's very interesting. You know, speaking of communication, how did you get into communications? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I, I did go to school for communications, but I, as I, when I turned 30, I started doing the self-reflection thing. I think a lot of people, we have these milestones in life. And so that was one of mine. And mm. I began to just kind of search back to what was my thing? What was, what was I really good at that? You know, if I didn't get paid for it, I still do. I, I still love it. And, and I, I went back, back as far as I could go. And I remember things like when I was eight years old, I actually had a book of poetry that I wrote. Uh, over and over, I had these all these collections of books of poetry. Um, I also, like my first crush when I was 12, I wrote him letters. I mean, like boxes of letters. It was like psychotic. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like a diary, I think. I, I obviously um, didn't give it to him, but it, it was it was something that, um, you know, what, what I saw there when I went back into like my memory lane was mm -hmm. thinking, wow, that's something that I just did all, naturally all the time. I was, I was a communicator. And that was my way of spending my time and, 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 and you know, I, my hobby was to write letters or to write poems or, or just to, to write something. And so it was always part of me. And um, part of that discovery was like, wow, I know I, I went to school for it. I do it naturally. You know, I need to get into this field more and more and really hone into what I love to do. So I was doing marketing and operations uh, when I first graduated for the first uh, few years. And, and so then I was like, you know, I should really get into more 
into the communications field, but the broader side. I didn't want to get into specifics on communications. I wanted to do something broader. And, you know, I was so glad to see that, especially at Microsoft, as, as we morphed into this new company that we are today, we, we were giving way to these kind of roles. So I was so excited to get the role of storyteller. Wow, I think that's fantastic. You know, several years ago, you wrote an article um, entitled, But First, Let Me Take an Unselfie. And that was a really interesting article. And I was hoping if you could tell us what an unselfie is and then also how brands could benefit from, from unselfies. Absolutely. I, I wrote that as a guest blog. Uh, somebody reached out to me and said, hey, can you write something around, you know, selfies or unselfies? And I was, I was like, well, how about we do something about unselfies? And because the that whole let me take a selfie thing was um, out there and everybody was talking about it and I think a song came out on it. And so um, I wanted to take the focus out of who we are because this, the idea of the selfie is look at me, look at me, right? And look at what I'm doing. Here's who I am. Um, put your attention on me. And that's okay. I love selfies, actually, honestly. But um, I wanted to kind of switch that up and think about how we can take the focus of ourselves and place it on other people and really uh, start thinking about what our legacy beyond ourselves and what we leave behind beyond what people can see on social media is other people. It's how we touch other people's lives. It's how we help other people. It's how we impact others. And so brands can benefit from unselfies in many ways. It really is about, again, making the customer the hero in the brand story. Uh, we really try to you know, always think about how our products and services win or should win. But when we take that focus off specifically the win factor and place it on the customer, we, we take that unselfie, if you will, and we, and we go back and say, hey, you're, you're the hero. You need to win and we'll enable you with our products and services. Then we end up winning ourselves. And so uh, it, it's almost like, a, you know, it's an unselfie, but at the same time, you get, you, get the sa you get the same gratification out of it when you switch that camera around and you take a photo of someone else. It also think, you know, talks about the empathy of, of what an unselfie is. When you stop for a moment to observe someone else, when you are you know, not engulfed with your, with your environment so much and how it impacts you, but versus somebody else who's in front of you, who's standing in front of you, and you take a moment to observe them. And that's a whole lot of, you know, it takes a lot because we are not naturally uh, empathetic and we're not naturally selfless. And so the old selfie really speaks about being selfless, being empathetic, placing the customer really truly as the number one in the story, as the hero in the story. And brands can truly benefit from that. I think everyone has seen, as I said lately, lately what Microsoft has been able to do as a brand in the competition space, in our industry, in, in the world. And that has most definitely begun with our empathy with our customers and with everyone around us. You know, you were featured in an article called Storytelling and Digital Transformation. And in it, you said that brands need to tell stories in order to successfully drive their business. And you've kind of already alluded to that. Um, you know, you said they need to connect with partners and customers and showcase their products and services. Um, if you were teaching a storytelling one-on-one -on -one class, and, and maybe you do, um, I was wondering how would you go and um, deliver that? Uh, class? How would you teach it? Yeah, I, and I do teach it. Actually, I just came back from Peru and I, I taught an entire course, 47 mm -hmm. classes uh, on storytelling. And, oh and yeah, it's a whole lot. And but, but what I first start with is what storytelling is not, what it is, 
and then the effects, the foundations of storytelling. What that means is really understanding the fact that storytelling is the emotional transfer of information. So it bases itself strictly on emotion. It's awakening parts of the brain that compels us to act, that inspire us, that create this, this innate you know, way for us to connect in a way that we d would not normally connect with uh, another person if we didn't, if we weren't told that story, if we were just given information. So the way that I would teach that, the way that I would elaborate that to brands in, in the digital transformation age, people that want to know where to begin is to think about what they want their audience to, to, to do, what they want their audience to experience as they tell the stories. And that's really important because a lot of people just create a story and if they have those three elements, you know, the character, the plot, and the, and the conclusion, then, oh great, I have a story, I'm done. And that's not true. Designing a story really, the, the strategy behind it is really understanding what I call the, the universal truth. In all of us, there's the truth that we can relate to. We all can relate to sadness. We all, we all can relate to embarrassment. We can relate to happiness. And so while the story may not be exactly what I've experienced in my life, if, if the character I'm looking at or I'm invite, being invited to experience through a story has experienced something that I have before, I'm able to relate to them immediately. So what is the universal truth of your brand? Uh, for example, for Microsoft, in this case, it would be empowerment. We all know and, and aspire to be empowered, obviously, because that's one of the basic human needs is to feel accomplished. And so when we think about empowerment and how Microsoft is doing it, and we tell the stories of that, we all relate to it. We go, wow, this is a company who enables someone to be empowered. And so we are emotionally attached to the brand because of it. So what is your universal truth? Um, how do you un uncover that truth with your mission of your brand? And so all those elements come in play beyond just writing a story, creating something. It really, there's a, a huge empathetic strategy, a design thinking strategy, actually, it's a form of design thinking that iterates the story over and over. And also the story never ends. So it's not like you write your mission statement and you're done and it's baked for the next five years. Really, it never ends. Uh, it is iterating every five minutes because your customers change, your platforms change, technology changes, the industry changes, competitors come in and go. So you have to continuously change that story, morph it into what it needs to be to stay relevant. Wow, thank you for that. You know, my next question was going to be around providing best practices for organizations to tell their story. But you've kind of already answered that, but it got me to thinking about individuals on LinkedIn, for instance, individuals who want to tell their stories to uh, elevate their brand. Um, LinkedIn is a platform where you and I met, and um, I meet a lot of people on LinkedIn, and many are trying very hard to have their voice heard, um, some without much success. So perhaps you could provide some best practices for individuals in telling their stories on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. And I see that too. And I feel so bad sometimes when I see that because I know they're trying, I know they're trying mm -hmm. and, and they have something to share. We all do. Um, the first, the first thing really has to do with vulnerability and authenticity. And a lot of people as authentic as they think they sound, uh, they don't. And so uh, mm -hmm. that's, first fail is the fact that they show up either too strong or or salesy in a way and not authentic at all. And so the best practice, the first thing I would say is ask people around you, what does your story sound like? And and, and tell them your story and, and be willing to, you know, get that criticism 
um, the raw criticism that it takes to say, what does it make me sound, you know, salesy? Does that do I sound authentic or not? And and keep that open in the question. Ask them, you know, let let them elaborate on why or why not, and, and, and where you can improve. Because they're, the perception, especially in, in when you're on a social media platform like, like LinkedIn or Twitter or anything, is your audience is really, your, you know, they're the ones who are making decisions on your story. They're the ones who are criticizing it right away. And so whatever, whatever form you choose, whether it's a video, whether it's, it's a LinkedIn post or just a, a regular update, um, your audience is perceiving that and they will only respond if it seems genuine. And they get to decide that. So what is genuine? You don't decide. You don't decide what's genuine. They do. So how do you, how do you know? You ask people that you trust. Um, that would want to see you win, of course. Don't ask haters because they're not going to they're gonna give you a different answer. Um, but people that want to see you succeed, that want to see you get out there, get a mentor. I have six mentors and they kick my butt every five minutes. They slap my face because I need, to, I, I need that. I need that in my life. And the second one is test your theories, test your stories, test your platform over and over again. I've posted something that didn't get in love. Then I posted something else and I got all the love in the world. And so I'm like, huh, I get it. This is where it's going. So you begin to test it little by little and you start seeing the reaction of your audience and what draws them more than one, you know, a post, one post more than the other and why. And dissect it. Be like, hey, what, you know, what is it, what is it that I said differently here that resonated with my audience versus this? And, and what was it, it, it a different type of story you told? Was it, you know, a video versus, versus a written post? Was it more vulnerable to just speak about this versus that? So begin to test it. Do it again. If it worked one time, do it again. See if it resonates one more time. And that's how you begin testing it. So don't, first of all, don't assume that you you got it and you have your story baked and you're going to go tell it and then, you know, it just fails. Um, come in from an aspect of I never have it baked. I'm going to test it every, it's what we call prototyping, right? So just prototype, prototype the story over and over until you see it and you see people resonate. And the beauty of that is once you capture your audience, once you have them, then they're yours. Then you really can play out a whole lot of things. I mean, I, I, you see me on LinkedIn. I put all kinds of posts out there and about different things. And because I've, I already captured my audience, but it took me a little while. It wasn't natural. It wasn't, I had to understand my audience and see what resonated with them. Very nice. Thank you. You know, I want to shift gears for a bit and talk about diversity and inclusion. Um, you are a champion of DNI, And I want to talk a little bit about your personal story. Um, you, you are a woman of color um, at a tech company and you've worked at other tech companies prior. And, you know, we don't see many women of color and key roles in technology companies. And I wonder if you could speak to that in, in your experiences. What's been your perspective yeah, you know, I think overall I can say outside of the industry and inside of the industry, most definitely it's been a challenging journey. Um, I started in the yachting industry in Florida, so much different than technology, and then I eventually came into technology. And um, I can tell you immediately that machismo is pretty much a thing, a very <laughs> relevant thing. I was I was once the only woman in a board meeting, and I literally walked in and they're like, oh, the woman's here. Go get us coffee. I mean, that was the response. I was asked to go get coffee. It's like, yeah, you can go get your own coffee, you know, but um, <laughs> there, there is much, much more of that pervasively happening all the time. I began to work around this in a almost um, a way that it, 
how do I explain this best? I owned it more than actually played it down and said, you know, or go against it. I said, you know what? I am a Latina in, in tech. I am a woman. I am a Latina. And I'll play the card. You want me to play the card? I'll play the card. So I have. And it's actually worked for my advantage. And before I even came into DNI, um, you know, I I think part of me owning who I was as a person was saying, this is all of me and I'm okay with it. And if you're not okay with it, let's have that conversation. It was a boldness that I had to acquire. It was very hard. I think women in general have a little harder of a time because we tend to be shyer. We tend, I don't know if it's, that's the right term, but we, we tend to kind of be coy about who we are or imposing ourselves in some way. Uh, and, and so you'll find that it's hard for most women to do that. And then you add on the color, you, the, you know, and it's just harder, even harder. And so it, it has not been easy, but I am glad to see that at Microsoft and other companies, we are making, we are making progress. It is by no means where we need to be at all, but it is something that we are pioneering. And that's something that I've seen women come into engineering, for example, I'm not an engineer, I'm in the engineering space as a storyteller, but they come and they say, Mary, this is too hard. I, I want to, you know, I, I should go somewhere else. And I tell them all the time, I say, if you, you want representation, you are the representation. So don't, don't sit here and, you know, yes, there's 99% of us are, you know, of, of these, of our group is men, but if you don't stay, then it's going to be 99.999, right? So, so stay mm. here and make that representation, own it, own it and boldly speak it and re represent. And then more, more and more that pioneering avenue will open up for our daughters and our daughter's daughters. So it is a fight that we are fighting today, but it starts with us. I think DNI starts with us. It's not up to my lead. It's not up to our HR rep representative and to our you know DNI officer. Great people. I'm glad that they're there. But the reality is, we need to take that on. If I am a woman of color and I happen to have a job in tech, let me represent it. Let me stand up and let me be that voice for the rest of us. And so I've owned it that way, and and it's been more empowering. Uh, not easy, but more empowering than to actually kind of act like I blend in with the rest of the guys or, you know, you know what I mean? I don't want to blend in and I, that's okay. I don't blend in and, and I don't want to because I shouldn't. I'm who I am and that's okay. And I want to speak that for the rest of our, you know, leave it as a legacy for the, for the rest of the generations to come. Wow. Let me ask you something. Do you think that social media has affected the conversation around DNI? Oh, gosh, most definitely. It has empowered, given voices to people who normally wouldn't have them. Minorities, people, you know, it's created a platform for solidarity and community amongst people who would have had have a harder time to speak their truth, to find other people like them and, and share, um, you know, stories about they, what they've gone through. I would have never found other women in my circle had it not been for that. And I actually want to take this opportunity to say, it's also hard for women because a lot of women don't support women. And I don't get that. I don't get why that happens. I think it's because maybe there's so few of us that they feel that we have to compete. I don't know what it is, but I wish that women would be more supportive of each other in this case, especially in tech. Um, and I've experienced that. I, I've experienced that um, you know, lack of solidarity. And so I think social media has enabled that. For me, I found other people, other women, strong and beautiful women who who have connected with me and we've supported each other. So um, it, it's definitely created a platform 
is definitely enabled for DNI to to globally connect with people like minded who are fighting for this cause for equality for people of all different you know ethnicities and races and and colors and, and backgrounds and sexual orientations whatever the case may be so I think it's a beautiful thing I think social media um, you know it doesn't make us better or worse it just enables unleashes who we already are it empowers who we already are in our voices so if you find someone if you are someone who is advocating for something like this you're going to find other people who are doing the same and of course the same goes for the truth the same truth is true for people who would not right and so you have you have those and you have the pioneers and that's everywhere but i have found personally that in social media i've connected with most wonderful people uh, and i've gotten the most wonderful support uh, from people on social media that actually in real life, so. Hmm. Tell me, what do you think the key is for making real connections beyond the virtual connection on social media? Yeah, you know, I, I think, again, back to the essence of storytelling, vulnerability and, and mm. authenticity, I think when people see that and it screams through, it bleeds through your screen, when you meet someone, you see their profile and you go, wow, I think I can connect with, with this person. This is a yes person. This is an approachable person. Uh, and I strive to to portray that myself very much, and I hope it's successful uh, in, in my approach and the way I speak, uh, you know, I, I really want people to, again, not be surprised if they ever meet me in person, uh, that they know they're getting to know the real me. So uh, a lot of people still struggle, by the way, with having this professional um, especially on LinkedIn, this professional look, this professional persona out there, and then, you know, separating that from being who they are as a father, as a son, as a boyfriend, as a whatever, whatever you are as a soccer player, um, you're everything, you're all of that. And, and, and yes, you're, you know, you're also a worker and you're a professional, but that, you know, you don't, you don't take that off every time you leave the work. So it's the same thing as you're, rep you're representing who you are everywhere. And so when people show up authentic on the social channels, then they, they are more prone to connecting with other people and, and more open. And what I love about the connections I've made personally, I've sought personally, are people that I would normally not connect with. So it's expanding my network intentionally with people that I would not seek out. Maybe they're not, most likely not like-minded because I want to learn from them. And so I have learned very much from people that I've intentionally gone out and go, hmm, this profile is interesting. Um, they would never be in my personal circle. So I want it, I want them to be in my network. I want to know what they're about. I want to hear their opinions. I want to see their updates. And it's been an incredible journey for me personally in learning and also acquiring that empathy. I think empathy is a skill. I, I see it now as a skill set. And so I've built that. I've been intentional to build that. And to, in, in order to do that, I've had to really do the homework to get to know people from different angles um, intentionally, not just because they happen to come into my network, but I really want to engage with them. You know, you're not only busy online, but you're busy offline. And in particular, you're busy doing volunteer work. I was wondering if you could speak to what you are involved in outside of work. Yeah, uh, I volunteer for different organizations. I'm part of the Trade and Impact organization. I sit on the board. I met um, the chairman in Morocco three years ago. Um, they, I was speaking. I was the, the keynote speaker at their event, which is a social enterprise, women-led um, organization. Basically, what it is, it gathers women from all over Africa 
uh, in the Middle East and women that are that have their own business that are social enterprises. Basically, the money they make goes back to a social good, maybe a school in their village or, you know, building a hospital. So it's just an incredible way that women in these sectors uh, are not making money for themselves. They're making money for the, building their communities, which I think is incredible. So um, I volunteer there uh, in offering expertise on social media, helping them actually launch their business through social media because a lot of them, especially in, in, in that uh, part of the world, don't know how to get started, don't know how to globalize their business through social channels. And, and so it's really important to get them out there in the world and, and making sure that people understand what they do and why they do them. So a lot of things that you'll see maybe in home goods or places like um, Whole Foods, those baskets, mm -hmm. uh, those are there's all from there, from those sectors. But they just, you know, they sell them to the, to the bigger companies because they don't know how to actually go out there themselves and sell it for themselves. So we train them and we help them. Um, I also volunteer for NIFTI. It's actually it's, it's, it's an acronym that says, start, um, stands for Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. I've volunteered there since I was in Florida and I still do today digitally, um, remotely. And I help. These are kids that are in high school. And the program is for urban schools that particularly for kids of um, lower income families who would not get an opportunity perhaps to even go to college. And so this is almost like a shark tank idea where that's the, uh, the students are trained to go, get from go from an idea to an actual business and they present their business throughout those, you know, they, they're, they're groomed and, and, and and trained through the entire school year and at the end uh, in the summertime they get to actually present their business uh, and they they have the opportunity to actually win ten thousand dollars to actually start their business so i have done different roles there um i i volunteer in my local church i haven't done that very much in this uh, since i moved to seattle because i've been traveling a lot but when i was in uh, in florida i was very involved in my local church uh, so just many different uh, different organizations that i i love to volunteer in and i also i am a brand coach and that's part of my volunteer and giving back to my community i don't monetize coaching people helping them i have a curriculum that um i help a lot of people a lot of people from different places from all over the world genders um and, you know just everywhere that want to get their their personal brand out there and i've seen them really flourish and and find their way so it's been really exciting to do that wow that's amazing i'm just trying to figure out when you eat and sleep yeah, it's a lot. I know. I need to slow down. I, I love it so much. You know, I, I, it doesn't feel like work when I when I'm giving back this way. It really mm. enables me. You know, it's it's funny. I figured it out this year because I was gonna, to be honest, I was gonna kind of cut down on the on the on the uh, brand coaching because it's a lot. And um, I was like, hey, yeah, let me cut it down. Maybe maybe this next year coming, you know, I, I need to slow down. And and I had one of those. Uh, I got a letter from one of my mentees. Um, and it was funny, the letter was actually from April of this year. I had not checked my inbox at work. <laughs> so I went in and I was like, oh my gosh, so I got a letter. And it was just one of those things that I, you know, I was, my heart was filled one more time reading these notes from people that are just so thankful. Um, I, I just can't stop because that is my legacy. It's, it's how I immortalize myself is with the people that I've been able to I see them grow and, and I'm just so thankful that I'm even part of that. You know, it, it's so humbling to me. So no, I don't think I'm going to slow down. I think I, I think I need to just recharge real quick and get back at it. But um, I, I use my time. I use my, my lunch time. Exactly that. I use my focus time. Sometimes uh, any spare time I have, I 
and thankfully uh, everybody accommodates to my schedule so that's really nice especially when we have people from like uh, the other part of the world like Mauritius I have a couple people in Mauritius so uh, we do work it out we do work out the different schedules sometimes I'm taking the calls in the car on my way to work you know whatever but um mm -hmm. It, it works out nicely because in this digital, again, back to the technology and communications, right? Uh, we are able to really connect in different ways. I have a mentee that now she, you know, she got into this Marco Polo app last year. She's like, oh, use Marco Polo. We'll use Marco Polo. And I was like, okay. So, uh, you know, I downloaded Marco Polo and now we just, that's how I talk to her. It's through Marco Polo. So it's in our own time. I don't have to connect with her real time. So, you know, we adapt to different technologies and there's so many beautiful ways to connect today. So I just think it's wonderful. And um, I will, I will always find time. I think we prioritize what we love and what's important to us. So I will always find time for people um, and to help people. So Mary, we've reached the point of the show where we pose a hypothetical, but I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, this time, I'm going to answer the question, at least what I think. The question is, where do you see yourself five years from now? And, you know, based on your answers and the passion behind them and the work that you're doing, especially the volunteer work, I see you owning your own business five years from now. And I could be wrong, but but tell me, where would you like to be five years from now? a great question you know a lot of people think that's the natural way to go I don't know if that's where I'm gonna go and I'm gonna tell you why I don't know mm -hmm. because I think that if I turn my give back passion to work it loses its luster to me I think that mm -hmm. the beauty of it is that I do it wholeheartedly without getting anything back I'm not monetizing it at all and and, I, and people know that and people appreciate it even more uh, and I appreciate it even more because of it so I don't know and I can't say that's where I'm going but I see myself in five years so I'm actually um, I drive my career based on our family goals my boys are in high school right now in five years they will be out of high school so I'm excited for that new phase <laughs> in life <laughs> Um, we are in Seattle right now. We are looking to move back to Florida to be closer to my family. So we were, we came here for this specific amount of time and now we will be headed back. So in five years, I see myself on a beach sipping a margarita, um, and definitely teaching storytelling, the elements of storytelling. Uh, and I don't know if it's in itself, the form or the, the way that I want to call it, maybe it's, maybe it's an alternative to, you know, an evolution of storytelling. The word empathy keeps coming up. Yes. And I more and more think that this is a skill set that we all need to have, especially in today's society, in today's world, in what's happening in the world. It's what brings us back to who we are and, and as humans and brings us back to really looking at people eye to eye, understanding there's a soul there, there's, there's, there's someone, uh, there's an eternal soul there. And so for me, uh, empathy, it's a big deal. And I think I want to look into more and more um, what that looks like and how to teach that, how to showcase that, how to acquire that and, and how people can. So maybe techniques, foundations on empathy and how to acquire empathy for, for your life. Um, maybe teaching that as a course in the university. I don't know. I'm actually uh, finishing my master's degree. Uh, I, I graduated in May, thank God. And I will be uh, definitely going on with my doctorate. So I hope by the, in the next, obviously, by, by five years from now, I will have a doctorate. And, and I think that's where I want to go. I want to be able to share what empathy looks like in today's world and why it's so important 
in whatever form. And storytelling today is the form because it dry it thrives on empathy. It starts with empathy. So does design thinking. But those are you know those are strategies that again are buzzwords today. We don't know what they were going to look like in five years. But I think the essence of that remains, and that's where I want to get it, to the core of that, to how we look at each other eye to eye, and we see each other. We really see each other. We take two seconds to just stop our world and our own wants and our own desires and look at the other person in front of us. So I think that's where I'm going to go. You know, as we're rounding out our discussion, I'm thinking that my final question would be, or one of my final questions would be, how can you be a more effective communicator? And I think I know the answer. I think you would say be more empathetic. Could be wrong, but I, I suspect that would be your answer. My answer is make empathy your new soft skill. That's my answer. And and really, and really put that on there. I mean, I put it on my resume. I say Mm -hmm. empathetic leader, and that speaks volumes. When you when you insert that word into your Mm -hmm. everyday life, when you make that your goal and say, I want to be more empathetic. In fact, you know, for 2019's perfect timing, we're coming into the new year. Everybody has these resolution goals, whatever you want to call them. And we think it's it's innate. We think about what we want to do, what we want to be next year, how we want to grow. I have personally made it my point to do that, to be more empathetic, actually to be wiser and be more empathetic. And when I looked up, looked up the word wisdom, by the way, uh, studying more on what it was so that I could become more wise in my, in, in my own expertise, in, my, in myself and who I am and who I am to the world, um, you know, I, I found different iterations, different definitions to empathy, I mean, to, um, to wisdom. One of them I liked the best. It was actually from a, um, a, psychologic, a psychology journal. And it said, you know, wisdom is the collection of knowledge based on experience that enables you to make more decisions in the future. And so I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I really like that. It's, it's the collection of knowledge, the things that we've acquired throughout our lives and then how we apply that in the future with decision making. And then you insert empathy and it just becomes so much better. You're saying, wow, if, I'm, if I've collected all these things from who I was before, a pretty self, selfish person, you know, taking all these selfies, going back to that, and really mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, centered on, on me and, and my wants and looking out for number one. Um, and now I've switched that based on my experience and learned that it's so much better when we give. It's so much better when we center on other people. It's so much better when we leave that legacy of helping others selflessly. I don't get anything out of it. I get nothing out of it. In fact, I just all I do is I learn from it, um, and that's huge. So, so when I think about that, and I think about wow, if I insert that empathy factor in there, it just wisdom just becomes even better. It becomes bigger because now it's not just about me. My decisions that I'm making are not just about me. And in today's world, when we are just thriving on this idea of, you know, just me, myself, and I, if we stop that and we think about our community, if we think about how our decisions impact others, because it does, our decisions impact other people um, for good or bad, then we make, I think we are better positioned to make better decisions for everyone and, and, and we really impact the world differently and much better. And that's the legacy I want to leave. I really appreciate that. Mary, if someone wants to get in contact with you, um, where can they go? Yeah, okay. So uh, definitely, most definitely LinkedIn. You'll find me there. Uh, my name is Miri, M-I-R-I Rodriguez. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. I really, I'm not crazy busy on Instagram. It's not one of my favorite platforms, but I, I get on there sometimes, especially when I travel, you see a lot of my 
quirky travel fun things. Uh, and so that's my, my handle there. And on Twitter is at Miri Rod, M-I-R-I-R-O-D. So you can find me there. I would love to connect with anyone listening. Uh, again, this is why I do what I do, just to connect with people and get to know people and learn more about uh, other people. So please connect with me. I'll be more than happy to do that. Miri Rodriguez, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We learned so much from you. I really appreciate it. Please come back again. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. By the way, if you are listening to this podcast using Apple Podcasts, do me a favor, click on library, find my show, scroll all the way down and leave a rating. And if you have a moment, I would love for you to leave a review. All the great feedback that I receive helps me to make an even better show. So please let me know what you think. Until next time, take care.